Welcome to TVT with Grace and Emma, a podcast about the millennial generation and how it came to be. I'm Emma. I'm Grace. In this hey. Week- hey. Hey. <laughs> okay, go. In this week's episode, we talk about um, bi erasure, mm-hmm. like bisexual erasure, and Lindsay Lohan. Oh, my favorite. Mm-hmm. Sort of. We to also <laughs> to each her own. Okay. <laughs> we also talk about country clubs on our segment Millennials in the News. Yep. And then we wrap up with some really strong TBTs this week that really just capture the uh, the reality television that warmed our hearts as young people and shaped oh. our style. Hey. Hey Emma. Hey Grace. Welcome to the closet. Thank you. <laughs> We've in... moved our studio. <laughs> well, we officially have a studio now. Oh, right. <laughs> we officially have a studio. It's a closet. It's my closet. I feel like by the... I feel like a few weeks from now, I'm going to know all of your clothes super intimately. Wow. I already recognize some classics. Some numbers. The red puffy vest. Oh, my gosh. A staple. <laughs> my inner Marty McFly. Or outer Marty McFly. How many, do you remember the vest phase, the vest, the vest phenomenon of the early aughts, late nineties? Mm-hmm. They came in like every color of the rainbow and it was like the cool thing to have was the old Navy fleece vest. Huh. It was really, it was, it was a prized possession. The arms had such freedom then. But I also think that there was like a vest phase in the early night, in the early aughts. Puffy. No, just like. Like, oh, tuxedo like, vest? Yeah, or, you know, like, people would wear a vest over their shirt. Mm. No? I had one. At least one. I'm not sure if that reached me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It was when I was, like, 14, 15. It may have been when I was abroad. Okay. Oh, in England? Yeah. Ah, uh, I see what they were doing over there. Very fashion Getting forward. very vested. Very vested. <laughs> <laughs> I was really into puffy vests when I was in like seventh and eighth grade and I had like three at one point. I was I, out here getting vested. You were getting fleeced. Oh <laughs> wordplay. <laughs> Hope the listeners enjoy that one. <laughs> I'm sure it's well worth the time. Um but thank you for noticing my dated wardrobe. Hey, vests are still in. It's, it's super useful. Vests is, the vests are, puffy vests in particular are one of the most useful things you can own in San Francisco because totally they agree. really help with, like, you don't want to walk around with a puffy jacket all the time because it can get too hot too quickly. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that fog rolls in, you need some down on you. Vests here, fleece vests in particular, are like the tech wardrobe. You have a vest with your company's logo on it. Yeah. I believe it. Um, I was home last week for the 4th of July week. Woo! And I gotta tell you, Corey and I started watching Botched. Have you ever heard of this show? No. Did you ever watch, um, Dr. Nine, or Dr. 90210? Um, oh, now I understand what that word means. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is botched? Well, first I thought of botchy ball. I don't know why. Ooh, that would be a great TV mm. show. Untapped. <laughs> Um, ESPN 30 is a botchy <laughs> channel. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So did I watch that show? No, it grossed me out. Oh, fair enough. But tell me more. Well, Corey and I were really into it. Like, I don't know what it is, but the two of us just love, like, a surgery show. We definitely watched um, 
the swan that reality show where like oh everyone God. got plastic surgery oh no um wait what's the difference between botched and dr two nine oh two and oh Thank you for asking. So it's actually two of the doctors from 90210. Uh And they've moved into their own show where it's entirely people who have had plastic surgery, but it got fucked up. So, like, the doctor gave them a shitty plastic surgery experience. Yeah. So now it's, it's like, been fucked up, and it's the doctor's job to fix it. What a show! Yeah. This is where reality TV has landed 25 years after it got popular. Well, so I think Dr. 90210 was most popular around the early thousands. Yeah. That's when it started. Yeah, and how tremendously it's evolved with the times. Yeah. We are seeing the gross underbelly of the sexiness. Yeah, and also the evolution of beauty standards, too. Mm. Because a lot of times, like people had this plastic surgery to fit the aesthetic of the early thousands and now they're like well now I want this other look that's popular now yeah you know who did that recently I believe is Courtney Cox oh. and I'm so glad for her what does she change she took out all her implants mm-hmm. her lip implants her facial like sort of reconstruction because remember there was that moment when it was like wow yeah. girl you do not look like yourself yeah it was sad she took it out, and now she looks more normal. So you can take out a lip imp- Like, there was a physical thing in her lips? She had, like, silicone in her. Yeah, you can take it out. Whoa. Is she still with David Arquette? No, they got divorced. Oh. That's why she's back to being Courtney Cox. Oh. Yeah. Got it. You know who didn't get divorced, though, of that same class of folks, like, same years? Uh, Freddie Prince Jr., and Sarah Michelle Gellar? Sarah Michelle Gellar. Still together? We didn't talk enough about Sarah Michelle Gellar last <laughs> week. We gotta bring her back. But yeah, they're still together. Oh. Do you think that you would ever get plastic surgery? Mm. Never say never. Yeah. I don't want to be one of those people who's like... Like, I feel like I made so many assumptions about where I would be when I was 30, when I was like 14 years old. And right. like, now <laughs> I'm like, okay, well... Right. I made some real assumptions about how I would be thinking, feeling, and the things I would be doing. Like what? Like, the classics. Like, I thought I would be married. Mm. I thought I would have kids. Mm. I thought I would really want those things by now. Right. And I thought I would, like, have a badass job. And well, instead, for- here I am. That's in the Sitting works. in a closet. Hey! Single <laughs> and childless. <laughs> and there's no place I'd rather be. But my 14-year-old self just didn't have the complexity of understanding to predict that. What? Or the, that your 14-year-old self had expectations based on what folks at that time maybe were prioritizing and ending up in. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? And your 14-year-old self couldn't have predicted the different life experiences that you've had that have shaped you and turned you into the amazing person sitting in a closet right now. <laughs> yeah. I paid Grace $20 under the table to say this thing. <laughs> the resume is out there, people. <laughs> LinkedIn profile is open and ready. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I mean, it is, though. Hire me. Okay, so I wanted to share um, a quick anecdote about yes. something that happened to me that made me think about one of the more informative moments in pop culture in the early 2000s. So I was on a tr- 
a train recently and I was talking to someone who I just met and we were on this train for a while and we had sort of like met through friends okay and it was like late at night and it was one of those things where like you barely know someone but then suddenly because you have like really nothing else to do you just start like going in deep and we were both talking about how we had started dating women singular one woman each had dated one woman seriously mm-hmm. at an older age and we were just like talking older meaning like we were both in our like later 20s mm-hmm. and um what is older that's still so young we were young chicks comparatively yeah it's all right um and we were talking about how like just like tough it was to understand what that meant in terms of identity mm-hmm. and then in terms of like labels mm-hmm And it made me think about um, this idea of, like, bisexuality erasure Mm -hmm. and how there's, like, not a lot of models in pop culture or even, like, in the public eye Mm -hmm. of women and especially men, but really people identifying as all genders who Mm -hmm. date people across the gender spectrum. Right. And so that made me think a little bit about um, the one of the relation, the first sort of same-sex relationship between um, two women that I saw, which was the relationship between Lindsay Lohan and Samantha Ronson. Yeah. And I think what also sort of made it different from previous same-sex relationships that I had seen was that Lindsay Lohan had traditionally been known for dating men. Right. And then suddenly she was dating a woman. Right. And I think, like media didn't really know what to do with that and they were not very forthcoming she was not very forthcoming about the relationship right for a very long time but it was like pretty evident from just like photographic evidence and Mm -hmm. from sort of like they eventually kind of back validated the relationship right um so it made me think about that and it made me think about like where were the figures that were representing bisexuality do they exist now and Mm -hmm. like i think about how people yeah I was just thinking about that totally and I think that that we also had such limited understanding of the fluidity of sexuality right mm-hmm. because it's like okay now we finally have these these gay identifying people coming forward right like around this time Ellen comes out mm-hmm. and what year I wonder what year that was um and there's Will and Grace on television. Like, we understand gayness more and more on television at this time. But that fluidity is still really non-existent. Right. Um, in fact, we it's almost like a, a result of the bioracer is not even having much of a vocabulary, let alone examples of it. Mm-hmm. And how, um, how much that imprinted upon us, for sure. Yeah. In our own identity development. Yeah. And I also remember... Ellen came out in 97, by the way. Okay. And I also remember um, reading this book that was sort of a compilation of young women's stories, and there was one woman who was talking about identifying as bi and how she was saying, like... She said something like... The quote was, like, being bi is like Starbucks. Like, it's, like, trendy now, and, like, everyone, like, wants it. And Mm -hmm. I remember thinking in my head, I probably was, like, 12 or 13, I was like, oh... 
you shouldn't be you shouldn't come out as bi because that's like obviously like fake like her her right. implication was that like it's like this fake identity that people are assuming because right. it's like cool right and so already I had these like pretty ner- negative ideas in my head of what it meant to identify as bisexuality and mm-hmm. there were so little examples to counter that and yeah. like so little conversation about like no, what does it actually mean for people to recognize this part of their identities within themselves and then, like, actually live into that in a pretty, like, public way? Totally. And Lindsay Lohan's relationship came without any kind of, like, I'm, like, a declaration of her sexuality mm-hmm. and challenged all of these media outlets to be, like, we're using language like gal pal, right? Yeah. Or, you know, sort of not, like news outlets, especially tabloid news outlets, not really knowing how to categorize what they were seeing. Um, and Lindsay Lohan just sort of existing in her relationship as opposed to feeling like, all right, first I come out and then I, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it all needing sort of explanation. Mm -hmm. And so there was something kind of powerful about her just being like, this is, I'm in a relationship now. Yeah. I know, I really appreciated that about her, and I really appreciated, I mean, I think the other thing that was tricky is that the relationship itself didn't seem very healthy. Totally. From, at least from, like, the way that the media depicted it. Like, I'll just never forget that picture. It's a paparazzi shot photo, and Samantha Ronson is, like, basically looks like she's driving a getaway car, and Mm -hmm. Lindsay Lohan is in the, like, classic 2005 American Apparel gray hoodie. And she's, like, basically passed out in the car with her mouth open, and you can, like, see gum in her mouth. Like, it's, like, so iconic in a way, but, like, it's so sad. Yeah. And so it was tough, too, because, like, I don't... Their relationship wasn't aspirational. Right. And so it was, like, oh, okay, here's this, like, cool moment where someone who's, like, a very hypersexualized, very Mm -hmm. straight-appearing woman starts dating a gay woman. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Samantha Robinson identifies as gay. And, you know, that's really cool that they don't have, they don't feel like they have to, like, qualify it. They Mm -hmm. don't feel like they have to explain it. And they're not role models at all. And they're not. In a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, Totally. Yeah. And it was tough, too, because then you watch Lindsay Lohan and you kind of watch where she goes from there. And that, I would say, was sort of, like, the beginning of kind of the the hyper-visualization of of Lindsay Lohan's struggles. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. What do you think about Kristen Stewart? Um, I... For for context? Yes. I think most people know who she is, but yeah. she is kind of one of those generic names. Yeah. Um, Kristen Stewart is the actress that... I think she's our age. She's about 20, yeah. in her late 20s. Yeah. And she got really famous because she was the main character in Twilight. She was the main person in Twilight, and she became this, like... She's, like, ascended yes. dramatically. And now I think she does a lot of... I think she kind of moved, yeah, yeah, moved into more under the radar films. Totally, she was at Con Cans. Con. <laughs> <laughs> no Did one you... answered our question if the S was silent. But you know what? What? I don't know if you listened to Who Weekly this week. Oh no! But they mentioned Isla Fisher. Oh, I didn't hear that. Whether the S was silent or not. God, we are all in the same wavelength here. I know. Let's all just get in a room. No, that'll <laughs> probably make it worse. We just need one big ten-hour-long <laughs> podcast a week where we all just talk about the same shit. Anyway, they clearly listen to our podcast and were influenced by it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, um, but I one thing that stands out to me about her coming out mm-hmm. was this really clicked in my mind. I'd love to know what you thought about this moment. But when she was on SNL and she sort of says, like, 
I'm like super gay, blah, blah, blah. And I did actually find it very freeing mm-hmm. to hear someone who is queer mm-hmm. and has publicly dated, for, like, I don't know where she's at, but to acknowledge that when you're queer or when you're bi or when you're pan, that like, you are gay. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about Like, we're both queer identifying, but I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, no, I, like, think that's really... It's funny, because in the same conversation with this person on the train, at one point, she... At one point, I used that term to describe myself, and mm-hmm. it's, like, still so tricky, because gay, to me, is still so such a binary term. Right, it's, right. like, you either are or you're not. Right. And then there's, like, either gay or straight, and then right. there's, like, really no in-between. But I like to use it loosely... Yeah. I would like to expand the definition of what it means, in part because I just don't love the term queer right. as a term. I think, like, the mm. sort of derogatoriness of it has always kind of gotten to yeah, me. Yeah, like, the history of it. The history. And, like, queer queer is associated with weird. Like, right. when I first heard the term queer, it's like, you're queer, you're weird. Like, like, like absent of the association like with sexuality. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, not, to do, not in the terms of sexuality, right? The, right. Then, like... Absent of the association with sexuality, gay means happy. And also, gay itself is a term that I think, like, I don't know, because it's been around longer, I just feel like I'm, a, I'm it's more part of history, and queer mm-hmm. to me is, like, a little newfangled. Yeah. But that's just me. What? When we're on the topic of terminology, though, yeah. I also think bi is outdated. I know. And I think I use, so I would probably more likely identify as pan if people even knew what that was and it didn't feel like something I had to now explain to people. Yeah. Which is not a good... People aren't exactly asking me what my sexuality is because I'm in a relationship with a man. But... um, uh, And for listeners, like, pansexual is attraction to folks regardless of their gender identity. I feel like this is a thing where with the terminology it's like historical context matters and individual yeah. context matters yeah and so i think w- it's tricky because when you were saying like you want to move away from or you don't necessarily love the the bi connotation yeah like to me i feel like okay i like like the term gay because of the historical connotations but mm-hmm. like is it is it the more responsible thing to attach myself to a more inclusive word in order to pave a pathway? Like, mm. I feel like Gen Zers are coming out as pan. Yeah. And I'm like, cool, that's so great. But, like, right. it's like you all, it's not for them to do the work so that I can then be like, yep, I'm also pan. Right. Just like, right. Um, I can't think of, I, I read an article recently of, like, a teenager who came out as pan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, but, like, I don't want to ride the burdens of a 17-year-old coming totally. out as pan. So that my old ass can be like, me too, me too. Right, right. I think this sort of getting bogged down in in terminology is frustrating and exclusionary. Mm -hmm. And also, like you're saying, like contextually so important. Yeah. It's a tough position to be in when you're not 100% anything. Yeah. But who is? And I think like it speaks volumes that like Lindsay never yeah. chose. She never. Well, I guess she said I'm straight, but she I'm dating did say a I'm woman. Straight. Yeah, she did identify but I'm seeing as straight. a girl. Yeah. Which is which and I kind of get too. Totally. And I also wonder, but that was like ten years ago. Right. I wonder what she would say now. Yeah. Or I wonder what she would say. Yeah, I don't know. And she's not the only person that we have to look to, but it totally. feels tough that she seems like one of the only people. 
yeah. for guys to look to. Yeah, you know what? I think, you know, you mentioned this sort of trendiness of a of sexuality. Mm-hmm. In a, in a, like, historically it being, a, bisexuality being associated with sort of, like, attention-seeking mm-hmm. or... Um, the 90s. Yeah. Um, I feel like we have a lot more folks coming out as bi or pan or queer, um, but still not a ton of examples. Janelle Monet, she recently, um, she and Tessa Thompson. Did they come she, out? They recently shared that they are in a relationship. They oh. confirmed. Because Tessa Thompson's in a lot of her music videos for her new, for Janelle Monet's new album. And yeah. so they have. Which was, it's just like one of those things where you're like, see that, like, yes, I finally have in popular culture, there's more representations. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and sorry, I'm yeah, just going to mention that like, and Tessa Thompson is in the Marvel franchise. And so there's, mm-hmm. there's this like larger stage, um, that these individuals are holding. Yeah. Gal can dream. Did All you right. know? Here's what? some did you knows about Lindsay Lohan. Oh, yes. The last name of her first character on television? I don't know. Oh, she was in she was in soap operas. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I don't know her name, though. Fowler. No way! Yes. Oh. <laughs> her character's last name was Fowler. Also, your last name. Oh, yes. That's my last name. Yeah twins. It's like the parent trap all over again. Um, two things that she's allergic to. Peanuts. No. Shellfish. No. Grass. Blueberries. Oh, weird. And horses. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Doesn't she have to ride a horse in the parent trap? Oh, shit. She totally does. Mm. Oh, poor thing. Broke out in hives all over the place. Because her dad owns a vineyard in Napa. Right, right, right. <clears throat> and at one point, he gets really, she gets really mad at him because her step, you know, her like potential stepmother is terrible. And then she like angrily rides off on a horse. Oh, I thought you were gonna just recount the entire plot of the. Um, trap. you know I would. <laughs> the isolation, Kevin. <laughs> what? Whatever. I will find a clip. Okay. I will play it now. Um, you know when she feels sexiest? Um, yeah, when she's on a horse. Oh, darn. <laughs> really? You're good. <laughs> no. Oh. Um, wait, can I guess? Yeah. Um. It's very luxurious. Oh. Or, like, it's gonna make a lot of sense. Oh. Um, tanning by her rooftop pool. Ooh, close. What? Uh, it's when she's naked wearing nothing but Chanel number five. Oh my god. Did she have to say that for an ad? Probably. Yeah, okay. Without (laughs) a doubt. I mean, yeah. And then, what I loved, and I I feel like I've, um, picked this sort of nuance up from Who Weekly, but I looked at a lot of, like, 50 things you didn't know about Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. And, like, 20 things you didn't know about her. And it's the same information. It's all ad placements, dude. Yeah, everyone just finds, like, the same five yeah. things about her. Yeah. Like, she's allergic to blueberries. Like, cool. There's not... 
Yeah. Why why complicate things, Lens? <laughs> why I don't need to know your deepest, darkest secrets. I don't need to know when you feel sexy. I can just see the ad placement for Chanel number five and know that that's it. Or like Cosmo asked her or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And her publicist was just like, okay, <laughs> control F. <laughs> Sexiest. <laughs> Got it. It's on brand. Yeah. It's on brand. It works. Yeah. Any other Lindsay Lohan trivia? That was it. I mean, it all just kind of... Do you know her dad's name? Dennis. Michael. Oh, yeah. Do you know her mom's name? Dina. Yeah. Yeah. And she has some... Oh, she has a brother, Cody. And a sister. Now I'm just showing off. Yeah, you are. Yeah, she does have a sister. What's her sister's name? I don't know. I always confuse the sister with Noah Cyrus, but I know they're not the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Linz, we're still thinking... We're still thinking of you. We're definitely still thinking about you. It's time for Millennials in the News. My favorite segment. You, we you keep... say it. You say it better than me. Oh, it's time for Millennials in the News. My what? favorite segment. What do you mean? Just say it with more gusto. Oh. More pizzazz. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot my pizzazz at home. <laughs> For some reason, I just had an image of, like, inhaling confetti and being like, pizzazz! Inhaling it! <laughs> pizzazz is here! Oh my god, I have a very distinct memory of being four years old and spilling glitter all up in my mouth. Oh, Ugh, loose glitter. No. Like, from a tube. Oh my gosh, Emma! I know. Very Never dramatic. been the same since. <laughs> Probably where I got my pizzazz from. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's like a, a superhero origin story. <laughs> <laughs> Red glitter in my bloodstream. <laughs> I bleed glitter. Um, it's time for Millennials in the News. Woohoo! Was that pizzazzy enough for you? Yeah. Okay. Tell us what... <laughs> All right. Well, this story is definitely going to up the pizzazz because this shit's about country clubs. And let me tell you, wow. a pizzazzier entity has never been found seen encountered yeah covered mm-hmm go for it so this week we want to talk about um, you know so, so there was an article by Kelsey Lawrence in City Lab which is an online publication Kelsey and um, from July 2nd and it says why why won't Millennials join country clubs and there was why won't we yep and after that there was a um, slate article that also kind of covered and referenced this particular story but don't you feel like the don't you feel like that question answers itself? <laughs> like do I need to read this article? Yeah. So like even in thinking about what a country club is, and it talks a little bit about this in the article, but like let's think about a um let me tell you uninclusive yeah. white. Yeah. So like segregated both by racial identity and by socioeconomic background, yeah. right? And Who has access to it? What kind of communities gather around this type of establishment? Yeah. Oh, okay, so first I just actually want to know, have you ever been to a country club? I have. Um, my grandparents belonged to one for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So so they live in rural Virginia. My grandfather was a huge golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, like, truly golfed, like, all the time. Competed as a young person. Like, golf was a very central part of his life and identity, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, how about mm-hmm. you? I honestly don't think so, but I can imagine a world in which I have and just don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think so, though. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just thinking of like in an urban environment where both you're from the Bay Area, I'm from Brooklyn. Like, it's not like we needed that to access community or other people. Right. I mean, we have like other kinds of country clubs. Right. Just not called country clubs. I by that I just mean like there are still space. Like I'm not like oh yeah yeah you know I'm not like absolved of yeah yeah, access to exclusionary spaces. But yeah, I don't think I have been to a country club. Yeah. When I think of a country club, I think of like those rolls and those individual packets of butter (laughs) and like white tablecloths and then a sports coat. Um, So millennials aren't joining them. Millennials aren't joining them. I mean, they're not playing golf as much. Um, according to this, uh, in the nineties, around 9 million adults from 18 to 34 played golf. And today, um, only 6.2 million people between 18 and 34 play golf. Hmm. Um, which is, you know, a significant dip. That's like 33% dip. Good Um, math there. Thank you. This girl took data analysis. You know what? They made the math easy for me. Are you practicing for your your job tomorrow? Yeah. Tony holds up flashcards. It's like two times two. (laughs) Um, but like country clubs are more than that, right? They have like tennis and swimming. You said horses or horses at country clubs. Um, not that I know of. I feel like that, but but what do I know? Yeah. I feel like it's mostly golf and tennis and pool. Yeah. But I again, can... like, we're not probably the best people to be speaking about, like, the broader country club experience. But I think what we can say is that it's not surprising that these, like, these entities with this long legacy of exclusion mm-hmm. are not necessarily the priority of the millennial generation. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm as with anything, we have just, pro- like, young people have just progressed to make their own exclusionary thing, whether it's, right. um, you know, on, in this article they mention The Wing, Soho House, and The Assemblage, which I don't... I don't Ooh, know say what, it again. Assemblage. Mustache. Yeah, which I guess is another... They're all sort of co-working, co-living community spaces, mostly in urban areas. Um, They all have high membership fees. Are they co-living? Apparently the assemblage is a co-living. Hell yeah! Yeah. So here's... Okay, so here's the thought. So I just did a quick Google on, like, country clubs in the Bay Area, and Mm -hmm. country clubs are associated with... suburbs, right? Like, you need yes. space often, especially if you're going to have the traditional, like, golf, horseback riding, let's say. <laughs> Let me just have Why it. Why not? Let Throw me just have there. it. And so, when we think about just kind of, like, our understanding of how millennials are flocking more to urban centers than we are to suburbs, at least, like, at this point in our lives, mm-hmm. um, I think it makes sense that, yeah. like, as a result of our, and I'm going to use the term migratory patterns. Hey. Yo. As a result of our migratory patterns, yeah. we, of course, we wouldn't belong to country clubs. They're not really in our vicinity. Totally. I think that's a great point. Um, I think that's a great point. But, as with anything, like, the pernicious nature mm. of folks to, like, not just build community, but build this community as they want to experience it. Mm-hmm. That's just, in itself, is not pernicious, but what it translates into often is just the same old shit, still exclusionary. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know what the Assemblage and um, Soho House and The Wing are doing to be more inclusive spaces, mm-hmm. both in um, just, like, 
what it means to be in open, only in urban areas and so mm-hmm. who you're reaching in that respect, but also like what membership fees, mm-hmm. how that excludes folks from participating or, you know, having access to the people and resources and, and spaces that they're creating. Yeah. So to your point about like the steep membership fees, mm-hmm. I know that the wing, for example, has recently piloted a scholarship program. Mm-hmm. But it's just in a pilot stage. I don't know the extent to which it's actually, like, able to pull in a whole new mm-hmm. kind of customer base, member right. base. Um, but what I'm also really interested in is, like, so I think in a recent episode we were talking about, like, the need to build community and, like, how we do that sort of, like, with a sort of shoestring approach. Like, yeah. we were talking about just, like, the value of, like, throwing a bunch of people in a room mm-hmm. and kind of, like, having some light programming. Right. Light programming. Yeah. Um, but, th- so, like, there's this idea of, like, bringing people together and the value of that, but mm-hmm. also, like, the space, uh, like, being responsive to the spaces that people want to occupy mm-hmm. and how we live in urban areas. So bringing it back to the country clubs, like, yeah. I'm curious about, like, what I don't hear in this article is... A, like, any sort of commentary from country clubs about, like, are they even interested in in hosting us and bringing us in? So, yes. Yeah, tell me what they say. Yeah, the article um, talks... So, Jeff Morgan, the CEO of Club Managers Association of America, does concede that there's a problem because of the association with country clubs with being golf-centric and Mm. male-centric. Yeah. But there is God, an attempt. God, history is a bitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't darn. run away from it. Shucks. Um, but they are trying to make more offerings that appeal, for example, tennis, swimming, um, burger and beer nights, wine tastings. And they also talk about um, uh, gyms, wellness, personal mm. trainers, yoga. Mm. If you want millennials to do anything, you just slap yoga on that, am I right? <laughs> um, and then also guest lectures on health topics and biking groups and hiking areas. Like, I do think this article suggests that country clubs are feel, are getting hit by the um, lack of younger membership mm-hmm. and are looking to find ways to appeal through, appeal to younger generations. Um You know, this article even mentions that it says, quote, in the age of Facebook and declining church attendance, country clubs are somewhere to socialize and make friends in real life. IRL. Um, Someone in this article mentions how uh, they look online at, like, what people are posting on Instagram as their interested activities and using that as a way of driving programming to appeal. At a country club? Yeah, to appeal to younger generations. Oh, good for them. Getting on the gram. Yeah, I mean... Seeing what we're doing. That's where we are. We are all <laughs> glimmeringing people clinking their wine glasses together. So if you can just get some rosé flowing. Well, one thing that I was thinking about as you were talking about this was I was thinking about, like, could, is there an opportunity for partnership with, like, places for places of employment? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, in the Bay Area, it's so tough because the Bay Area tech is, like, so not diverse. Right. And it's so problematic. And I think, but I wonder if there's, like, a way for a country club to actually, like, reach out to, like, a workspace and forge a partnership that way. Because I think all the things that you mentioned, like, the yoga and, like, 
whatever, the recreation and shit. Like, I feel like those are needs that people have, but those needs are, like, kind of being met. People have found ways for those needs to be met already. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, you're trying to tap into a market where... Right. And it's met in an unbundled way to to choose a total tech term. Yeah. But, like, I don't have to pay this membership to join a club where, like, if I don't play golf, I still go for the gym classes. Like, if I want to do that, I join a gym. Yeah. I don't pay for all the things that I'm not using. Or I have a gym membership through my work, which right. is so common already, right? Right, right. So, and, like, a place to have a wine tasting also at work. Or, yeah. You know, all those yeah. sort of things that I actually think that people want something so tailored to their own interests Yeah, that it may just not fit the the evolving nature of like how how we pay for social opportunities right yeah for sure i think that they're running to catch up with something that's like already far gone yeah i agree and i think that if country clubs want to really like bring in millennials i think i think that what you're gonna have to do is just like get really local Mm -hmm. like start local start with like you know who's around you and that might not be millennials but like some folks will be there eventually. Well, that's another good point, too, is that much like higher ed institutions, because I always have to tie it back to higher ed, like, country clubs are fixed in a space. Yeah. They cannot move. So they are really beholden to who is around them, and if young people are moving to more urban centers and are less likely to live in these suburban spaces or even rural spaces, like, where my grandparents live, it would be very futile to start appealing to younger generations <laughs> yeah. because they don't exist out there. Yeah. With good reason. I just saw a bunch of, like, golf balls grow legs and start, like, running to the city. <laughs> but That's like, where my, yeah. mind, my mind goes. But, yeah, no, I hear your or point. Or maybe if they offered putt-putt, I'd be interested. Also, Ooh. like, don't shit on the... I've never been to where your grandparents live, but... I know, I know, but I, you know, Roanoke, Virginia is where they live. Yeah. I, I absolutely think it's one of the prettiest places on Earth. And, like, my goodness. Maybe. There's just not a ton of economic opportunity there either. Let's go create it. The Wing Roanoke. Hey, that, I do, I do think that the whole Wing seeing itself as very inclusive and only existing in cities is a huge problem. Yeah. All right, ready for TBT? Yeah. Yeah. Emma, what's your TBT for the week? All right, here's my TBT. Got into a conversation about the show Cribs. Yes. I want Cribs to come back. Oh, my God. Here's an so episode good. that was so memorable. The Moby episode. Do you Did you ever see Cribs? Yes. Did you see the Moby episode? Yes. OMG. It's so good. It's so good. I'm like, I rewatched it in preparation for this conversation he's so funny he's so awkward and also his apartment i thought it was so hot and Mm -hmm. sexy when i saw that episode it literally looks like the place that i lived in when i lived in brooklyn in 2013 in what way what were the what were the signifiers like it's not that a it's there's nothing about it that looks like beyond what an ikea remodel would look like (laughs) like truly he also Mm -hmm. like moby himself is so funny because like the whole premise is, like, he literally opens his fridge at one point and just starts, like, pointing out items in his fridge. Like, bread. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Like, this was some 
how compelling. Like, I watched that entire show. So, fridge. Let's see what we have in here. Got this nice garlic-infused oil, olive oil. It was just regular oil, and I chopped up a bunch of garlic cloves and put it in there. Infusing things is the easiest thing on the planet. You know, brown rice, salsa, random vitamins, some miso paste, some bread. So I think it was, like, a few things. I think one was, like, wow, clearly, like, that targeted a demographic of people that, like, looked at anyone's individual apartment and was, like, that shit is hot, when, like, in fact, mm-hmm. like, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, it was just, like, a, it was just, this is adulting, right? And I right. think it was the appeal of, like, being an adult and having Ezekiel bread, your own Ezekiel bread, mm-hmm. not the one that your mom and dad bought, but mm-hmm. your own one in your fridge. Yeah. Um... And then the other one that I just remember was Jamie King's. She was, like, that actress model. I don't know. Yeah, she, like, I totally know who she is, but I do not remember her episode. She, what stood out? Well, what stood out about it was that at one point she, like, shows this pile of clothes, and she's like, I'm donating this to the Goodwill. So, like, if you're in New York, hit up the Goodwill. I'm like, and I don't remember the street. And I just remember being like, oh, I wish I was in New York so I could go to that Goodwill and get some of Jamie King's old sweaters. Whoa. I never did. Ah. I always wondered. Yeah. Huh. I always... What always stood out to me was the Mariah Carey episode. Yeah. What about it? She just, like, did such a good job of making us really want to know more. Like, she, like, didn't show her bedroom and was like, this is just for me. Ooh. And I just thought that was like, oh, now I really want to know what's in her bedroom. I'm not going to show you guys my bedroom because I think... It's better if I keep, like, one thing for myself. I feel like if I show my bedroom, then what's left for me, you know? But this is a cute bedroom. At one point, she's in the bath. She, like, takes a bubble bath. During the episode, During the episode. Yeah. I feel like the whole episode also was in sort of, like, a rosier lens. Yeah. Like, there was something about it that was just a little bit more hazy, where she just looked really good. Yeah. Um, Those are the sounds of my boyfriend Tony arriving home from the gym. Welcome home, Tony. Um, but yeah, Cribs was exceptional. Yeah. What a show. And like watching basketball players get into the cars, I also remember very distinctly. I found out that they rented all those cars. What? Not all of them all the time, but uh-huh. often what they would do is they would rent cars for the show. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Gotcha. Anyway, yeah, I think Cribs was, like, a really informative piece of art. I will go so far as to call it. <laughs> yeah. That just demonstrated what it looked like to live on your own. But mm-hmm. also, it's funny because the Mariah Carey version is probably very inaccessible. But the Moby, the Moby episode, I mean, I'm not going to have a home studio anytime soon. Sure. But I could definitely pull off that kitchen. Probably <laughs> do it even better. Stick some fresh flowers in there. Heck yeah. Hell yeah. Heck yeah. I also remember he talks about having a private yoga instructor come over and, like, doing yoga, like, under the sun roof. Moby. Yeah. Wow. He was so cool. Mm. He was vegan before it was cool. Or maybe it was cool and just wasn't for me. To know. I don't know. I feel like in the 90s. Yeah, I don't think people really knew what that was. Mm. Nice. Good for you, Moby. Do you have a TBT? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, hearing you talk about Cribs, I just, I, I must shout out another reality show that was very comparable. Which well, one? I guess it wasn't, but just the similar, um, I'm going to throw back to 
Pimp My Ride. Yes. Like, one, you had the immaculate exhibit. Where's exhibit? The rapper. He was the best host. Oh. Did you ever watch the show? Like, vaguely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the whole concept is that you have this old clunker, and <laughs> you submit a video saying, you know, like, this is my shitty old car. They have lots of pictures of, of you, like, driving Saturn. around in it. It's yeah. hardly getting from point A to B. Right, 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 And right, then right. they have this team that is full of characters, like, West Coast Customs. Ooh. Yep, West Coast Customs. Were they, like, a shop? Yeah. I mean, I always remember... Some of them were terribly impractical. Right. Like putting in a fish tank or like <laughs> a bar in the back. Like whatever it was your personality. Yeah. They basically like learned more about you and then gave you the car that was tailored to your interests. So like if you were a DJ, they had like a DJ booth with big speakers. I mean, everyone <laughs> had big speakers, but like they built that in the back for yeah. you. Or if you were a pianist, then they would have like a piano that folds out from the top of the car, right? Where you can like play on your roof. It was like yeah. all kinds of wild things. Yeah. And they attach all those things to the one item that depreciates in value. Yeah. So it's not so practical. No. It just was sort of... And it grew in imagination. Yeah. material things. And it was so creative, yeah. right? And you had, like, the guy that did the paint job and the guy that does the speakers and the guy that does the, like, detail and in, in, like, leather seats and stuff. Yeah. This is the time when America was getting all of its plastic surgery. Yeah. That was when I was watching all of those shows. And now we have botches to make it for it. <laughs> I wonder what the, what's the botched equivalent of um, Pit My Ride? Oh, the repo show. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. I don't watch My it. My parents love that. Show. Yeah. I like yeah. the airplane one. Oh, I don't know that. Airplane repo. Oh my goodness. Why are people out there with airplanes that need to be repossessed? Well, no wonder they're getting repossessed. Because, Who buys an airplane? Oh, lots of people. Wow. Hence the fall of Rome has commenced. Are you a car person? I love cars. Are you a car person? No. <laughs> that's probably why no. I just like watch in ignorance like, well, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, Honda's forever, baby. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I guess we did talk about your dad's car. Yeah. 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 Nice TBT, bay. <sighs> Thanks, Emma. Well, yeah. you know, I hope you have a great next week of uh, classes at the Graduate School of Business. Ugh, thanks. I hope you have a great next week as a consultant. Ooh! The apple doesn't fall far from the tree now, does it? My goodness. I'm the apple, you're the tree. No... Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. I'll You're going to be more educated on this stuff than I am. <laughs> <laughs> you mean I'm going to signal more? Yes, you're right. You're right. Well, see you in a fortnight. See you in a fortnight. Woo!